This episode of The Bittersweet Life is brought to you by Stackery. Stackery is the global leader in international parcel forwarding from the U.S. With Stackery.com, you can shop at any U.S. retailer and ship anywhere at prices up to 80% less than directly from the store. Stackery also provides free storage, same-day consolidation of your packages, and a tax-free U.S. address. As a Bittersweet Life listener, save 10% off your first shipment by using the coupon MANJA. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Salve! This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. We are in Rome and today we're going to be talking about pretension. First we should say what salve means because some people might not know. Hi! Yeah, but it's a very polite way of saying hello. It's not like saying ciao. It's salve is more formal. And you say it to people that you don't know. Like when you walk into a shop, you say salve. And if you use that phrase when you're in Italy, you will seem less like a tourist and more like a local. I've been trying to use it a lot. Yeah, well, Plus, I have a really hard time saying buongiorno. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she just said it right before we went on. And it sounded like buongiorno. Buongiorno. <laughs> It's like DiGiorno, but with a bon before it. DiGiorno, the pizza. <laughs> no, it sounded like the French way of bonjour, but like with an O at the end. That's true. I, I always kind of mix it up. It's sort of funny. I think we've talked about this before. But because I never really studied Italian, and the first thing I studied was in high school, which was Spanish. And so I always go to Spanish in my head first, usually. But I understand a lot of Italian now. But you know how you have those awful moments where the you meet somebody and they say hello and you're in a little tiny Italian town and they say hello and they say, how are you? And you say, bien. And then you're like, damn it. <laughs> you know, I had this perfect opportunity to say bene or molto bene. But instead of like bien, bien, the guy's like, mm-hmm, okay, see you later. <laughs> like the time you were in Mexico and the guy asked how long you'd been there. And you said two, two years. <laughs> Instead of dos, how do you say days in Spanish? Dias. Dias. Yeah, and then he looked at me like, really? And this is all the Spanish you speak? (laughs) We talked about that on a previous podcast. But we're getting at this because it has me thinking a little bit about pretension. I don't know. But let's back up a minute. Okay. Okay. You've been in Rome for how long now? As we're recording, probably almost two weeks. Is Mm -hmm. that right? I think so. Yeah. Two weeks. Maybe a little less. Before we talk about pretension and all of that, and being like... <laughs> Obviously, I feel totally pretentious about it. No. Yeah, because you feel like, you know, you're a local by now, right? Well, I definitely don't feel like a local, but what, what were you going to ask? Well, first of all, how does it feel to be back in Rome? And specifically, how does it feel to be in Rome without Derek? Because you have always come here with him since the first time you came here for my wedding to when you were living here to when you came back to visit when Irelia was born... How does it feel to be here in general and specifically to be here without him? Well, I was really worried about being here without him because he's my Italian translator. And (laughs) besides you, I mean, and uh, he's just been such a big part of the journey of Rome for me, just like you said, because he's always been here. And the only thing that is a saving grace is because on the year that we were here when he was studying, that we lived here, and then when we came back, 
we had this kind of general rhythm of oftentimes during the day I would be wandering off or I would be with you or I'd be recording and then at night we would come together and we would have dinner together and we'd go out and sit in a piazza and watch what was going on. And so in a way, I'm kind of used to being in Rome alone during the daytime. I do miss him and I feel his absence, but I feel it more at night. That said, I also feel it in places where it's stuff that we definitely always did together. Like every Sunday, we would go out for lunch and we would go to Dar Poeta, which is my favorite pizza place. And we would split a half of a carafe of wine and we'd split a pizza. And that was our ritual. I can't eat an entire Dar Poeta pizza by myself. I can't. I, I, can't. I try. I can't. I don't know how people do it. I don't think Claudio could even eat one by himself. I know, but I see people do it all the time. So now I have, I can go to Darpueta, but what am I going to do with this other half of pizza? Bring it to Tiffany's house, which you did tonight. I know, which I did tonight. But I'm about to move into an Airbnb, but I've been jumping around from the Beehive to like another hotel, moving around to save money, staying with you. I've been traveling also around the, the country a little bit. Yeah, I've been traveling around the country. Because of that, I don't have a oven or anything. There's no way for me to take this pizza and do anything with it. So I miss him in those moments where I'm like, where's the guy that's eating the other half of my pizza? You know? No, I get it. Yeah. And he would have so loved to be there. And I'm trying to send him as many pictures as I can. But I'm also trying not to send too many because I don't want to be that. You know, he's back at home and he has to work. And he's starting this new job, relatively new job. So he has no vacation time. So he couldn't come. So I'm not wanting to be like, I'm at Darpueta. I'm eating your favorite kind of pizza. You know? um, it's funny actually that you say that because I was just in the States and Claudio so wanted to be there. He would have done anything to have been there. Yeah. And he just couldn't because we couldn't bring Aurelio and he, you know, we couldn't both leave Aurelio and and so he was missing, you know, that, and he wanted to be there so bad. And, and now it's like the reverse. I know. Look at these poor men. I know. Here we are, world travelers in there. I know. We leave our men behind. We just leave them behind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But that said, too, this is another interesting thing about Rome and coming back again. So now this is my fourth time back. The year I lived here, your wedding, blah, 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 everyone knows. This is the first time where I came back and it didn't feel like I'd been gone for very long. Really? Because I think, if I'm not mistaken, this is the longest time you've been away. Really? I was just thinking about that. So with the exception of maybe between my wedding and when you moved here, I'm trying to think. I got married in May of 2011. You moved here in... 2013. 2013. So yeah, it was two years and two months. Then you left in what, July of 2014? Uh, yes, to go home. Yeah. To go home. And you you came back to visit when Aurelio was a month old. So that was September 2015. So that was like a year and two months. But that's now been September 2015. I think I was here for two months then. You were there for two months. Okay, but the point is Aurelio's two and a half now. So you've been gone for two and a half years. It's the longest time you've ever been away. Hmm. And yet it feels like the shortest. Well, that's interesting. I think it's because it's, you know, places get to a tipping point where it's so familiar. I know so much about how to get around, where to go and where to turn and where the street leads and all this stuff. And Rome, while being a huge metropolitan city with lots of tourists flowing in and out, like the tide, it ritually operates like a, a little bit like a 
I I don't want to say a small town. It's kind of a cliche, but it's like this in between. I know which people are going to be where and not much. It seems like it changes. I don't want to say like the patina has worn off, but it doesn't have that sort of exploratory like, wow, because I feel like I've been almost everywhere in Rome. Does that make sense? So it's almost like, oh, yeah, this or that, you know, and I might have forgotten I know it well enough to know, oh, the graffiti's worse in this area than it was when I was here before, or it's better. This, this is a pothole that wasn't here before. You know, those little there tiny are things. a lot of potholes that weren't here I when know. you were here. It's been awful. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's just like one of those things where a place, kind of like what you're talking about in that episode where you talked about whether or not you keep going back to the same place or you always go somewhere new. I think it's the first time where Rome well, I'm happy to be back and to see all these things doesn't seem new to me anymore. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's normal. Yeah. I mean, it, w- it would be weird if it, you lived here for a year of your life and you know, you've been back since. So it would be weird if it still seemed new. Yeah. But so that's not to say that I'm, I find it boring, but I don't find it as thrilling. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's just not as new. Now yeah. I'm curious how the language aspect is going. You said that you feel like you understand more. I understand more. I still am terrible at speaking it. Like I can't string a sentence together. And I, I, I really have actually in having to navigate it by myself and like communicate a little bit more with people. I actually feel slightly more motivated that when I'm rooted in a place, if that ever happens, if I end up being rooted in San Francisco for any length of time, I might actually take a class and try to like start stringing all this stuff I know together so that I can make longer cohesive sentences rather than words and gestures and (laughs) stuff like that. But I was surprised. I mean, if you say I've been gone for two and a half years, I've been delightfully surprised actually on how much I get from having not paid much attention to it at all. Now it surrounds me again and I I know so many more words. I know more than I think I do. I think it proved to me that I, I know a lot more than I think I do. I always say that I can't speak it. I don't get it. But just listening to people around me, all of a sudden I'm like, well, I do understand like a f- fair amount of what people are asking me and all that stuff. Do you think that that could possibly be just the last two weeks? You not having Derek, you having to go out and communicate and just in those two weeks you've really improved just because you've had to I don't know because it feels like my comprehension is higher but maybe maybe you know what else I I mentioned to you I think that it also feels like people speak English more than they did and I don't know why that would be maybe I'm just bolder and putting myself out in more situations now but I I felt like when I lived in Rome hardly anybody spoke English at all. I feel like now everybody is speaking English. Wow. That would be a huge change for just a couple of years. Hi, Katie Bussing in here to take a moment to thank the Beehive Hostel for their support of the Bittersweet Life podcast. The Beehive is Rome's homiest and most chill hostel since 1999. It's a sanctuary in the midst of the bustling city of Rome. And if you're planning a trip there, be sure to meet Steve and Linda when you go. Seek out the Beehive Hostel. It's social, it's eco-conscious, it's comfortable. Trust me, I've been staying there, and you should too. Back to the show. To go back to this idea of you picking it up in the past two weeks, you know how when you're walking around a city that you don't know with somebody who knows where they're going, you can totally not pay attention to where you're going? Yeah. And if you have to go back there, you'd get lost? 
Or even the same was true with driving. Like if you're in the passenger seat, you don't have to drive. You could drive down the same street every day and you would not necessarily where to go if you had to drive. But if you do know that you have to figure it out, you pay attention and you can learn it really fast. It could be the same with language. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. You know what else is funny? Remember how back in the day, back in the day when this show began four years ago, you always used to make fun of my clothes. <laughs> I did? I don't remember that. Well, you didn't oh, always make fun of it, but you'd be like, oh, well, how do people know that you're not local? Oh, because yeah. you're wearing fleece and you're wearing flip-flops and things with zippers. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, you're wearing a shirt with a zipper right now. I just want to highlight. It's my pajamas, Katie. I'm allowed. Who wears a zipper to bed? Well, no, I mean, this is my sweat jacket, actually. <laughs> my pajamas are underneath, but it's houseware. Fair enough. I do not leave the house in my sweats nor does any respectable Roman person. Well, I would like to argue that since that time, and I'm wearing a very unflattering shirt right now too, but since that time, I think I dress different. And I have kind of an edgier jacket now that I wear the majority of the time. It looks a little edgy. It looks a little bit more like a motorcycle jacket. And I have tighter pants and I wear boots and stuff. My point being though, that I am being interacted with by Italians who think I'm Italian all the time. And I have to just be like, I don't know, you know, <laughs> whatever. Really complicated questions and super fast. And so I'm doing something that's different. Yeah, I definitely think you're, well, just remember though that when you were here in Rome, you had to pack for an entire year in like one suitcase, two, two suitcases. You didn't have a lot of stuff. So you, you didn't have a lot of choice in the matter. You had to kind of be simple. But um, could be the clothes. Clothes, I think, make a big difference. I find that just wearing high heels on the street makes me feel more authentic. Yeah. Or maybe it's how I walk now. I know where I'm going all the time. Yeah, I think that's it as well. Yeah, and so remember that story I told you where when I was living here, those tourists coming up to me and saying, can you give me directions to this? And I give them directions, and they said, oh, your English is so great. That would have never happened with an Italian. (laughs) So apparently then I looked enough Italian that the Americans thought that maybe I was Italian, Mm -hmm. but the Italians were like, no way is she Italian, versus now where they think I am Italian, and now they're like, oh, (laughs) she, oh, yeah, ooh, I fell for a tourist. I want to ask you one more question about language, and then we can move on to other aspects of your being here. Years and years ago, I think, was back in that first season when we maybe did our first episode on language. (laughs) And you were in the middle of your sort of language frustration period. You said you look at little kids, like (laughs) three-year-olds, jabbering away in Italian. And you say, what makes you so special that you can speak Italian? (laughs) We've just spent the evening with my two-and-a-half-year-olds who jabbers away in English and Italian a lot of times both languages in the same sentence. Did you have any of those same feelings toward him? What makes you so smart? Yeah, just like, this kid is two and a half and I saw, you know, he was a newborn the last time I saw him and now he's speaking Italian. Why can't I? Well, first I would like to point out that you had a great response to that. You said, well, uh, back in the day when I was complaining about that, and you said, well, to be fair, Katie, they have been practicing for three years. No, that was Derek's. Actually, it was his response that you quoted on the show. Oh, still, it's a great response. Um, so no, I feel I'm kind of zen about Aurelio. I feel like he's a smart, a smart kid. Of course, he would know. But maybe that's just part of me being pretentious. I'm like, maybe I know as much as he does. Maybe he's all toddlers are hard to understand, even in your own language. Were you able to understand some of the things he said? Yeah, I think so. 
most of it yeah oh. so i maybe me and aurelia are at the same level awesome except he can speak two languages and i guess i can almost speak two languages at aurelia's level yeah he's doing sentences though yeah he can speak in past tense and yeah, i can't do past tense right we only live in the present in my world but maybe this is all about the topic at hand which is when you become pretentious in a culture no that's not even the right word really what's the right word i don't know well here i'll tell you what i was thinking of or that i was wanting to explore so i think that there's this moment of humility that you have when you're brand new in a culture or in a place maybe not everybody but some tourists maybe not who knows we did an episode on humility yeah so there's this moment when you're sort of wide open and for me you know i always try to look like i know what i'm doing but i don't and i acknowledge that i don't i'm flailing around and people know i'm flailing around and then there comes this moment when you realize oh i got this i can't speak the language necessarily but i know where i'm going like i know how to get groceries i know how to do this that and the other thing and i was interested in that little window that happens right there and it came to my mind because I was at dinner the other night. Derek's not here. I'm often dining alone. Um, so I'm reading a book or whatever. And uh, there's these two young women sitting next to me who are blatantly foreigners. They're not Italian. They're probably around college age. But they're sharing these stories about how they make their way through life in Rome. And they just had that kind of air of... I don't even know how to describe it. I, I should have like transcribed some of the stuff that they were saying. But it's just sort of that like, oh, oh man, I always I always get my sandals at OVSA. Or I always visit that one shop on Tuesdays because that's, you know, when you can get the best deals. And, you know, uh, and they're just passing these like little tips. Oh yeah, I totally hear what you're saying. Oh yeah, I knew that. Um, yeah, that's my favorite bar. I always go there. I know the bartender. Oh yeah. I know the bartender. We're good friends. Um, you know, <laughs> And so just in the way that they're being, I can tell that they're newish. They're not old hats. They haven't been living in Rome for four years. They probably haven't even been living in Rome for a year, but they've figured it out enough to now be above whatever the common tourist is. Well, of course. I mean, even if they're just students there for one semester, tourists are usually in town for like three or four days five if they're lucky so if they're there for even three months they're gonna feel like they're locals compared to a tourist yeah so maybe the bigger question is what is this need that we have to become better than the tourists this is the thing that uh, we had a comedian on the show years ago named Marcia de Salvatore. This is a thing that she joked about in a video she made once where, you know, it's just her and a friend and they're expats and they're eating pizza and they're sitting on a hillside and they're looking at all these people walking below and they're like, look at that person, obviously a tourist. Look at that one, such a tourist, you know? And they're, <laughs> you know, they're basically making fun of exactly the same thing. When a short-term or long-term expat starts calling tourists out in a superior, like I'm superior to them way. Yeah, I mean, I what know. is that inclination? It's not like you're any more superior to a tourist. You're there for totally different purposes. So what is that? I don't know. I think it's got to be like the human need to feel superior, superior, to feel like you know more, to feel like you've been there, you've been around. I mean, people like to show off that they have been around longer, that they know more in any situation. I mean, I totally have been there. Absolutely. It stands out. Can you remember a moment when you were when you turned that corner? I've been in a situation where I'm like, I'm not a student. 
I've decided to live there, but I'm still, I've still only been there six months, you know? So I'm still totally new myself. And I used to live in Trastevere and that's where a lot of the foreign students live. I've been in situations where I'm like, you know, just like you, like seeing two clearly study abroad students who probably don't speak a word, or maybe they can speak a little bit. I consider myself superior linguistically. And I've been there and I'm smirking like these girls think they know. They know this city. They know nothing. You know, I've been here for six months and I'm going to live here for my whole life. And, you know, so trust me, trust me, I've been there. I think that's just human nature of the need to feel, to want to feel superior. It, this struck me as so odd in that moment. Why? What is the point? And and maybe they were just sharing tips with each other, but it didn't sound like it. And this is the other weird thing about that particular scenario. They are both sharing things as if they're on exactly the same level. So are they posturing to be slightly... Like, what are they doing in that situation? I don't know. I need you to give me answers. I wasn't there. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I know. I know, but... And how do you recognize if you're like that? Because that's another question. You know, like I mentioned, I had a friend who was in town for a few days, so I'm acting as tour guide and stuff. Uh-huh. And all along the you're way, and I'm like, I'm like, turn here, turn here. Oh, I got to show you this. I got to do that. I wasn't going so far as to translate, but oh, you got to turn here. You got to see this. Oh, if you go in this church, blah. you know, and at some point you're just like, am I being totally obnoxious right now? Maybe because I'd heard those women talking. Now I'm hyper aware of, am I doing what they're doing? Am I walking around like, I know it all. Me and Rome, we go way back. You know, just tell me you're lost. I'll point you in the right direction. You need to see the sights. I know where to go. I think you just wanted to show your friend all of the things that you loved or at least the ones that were in your path and share your love for those places i don't think that's being pretentious at all it's so hard to know i mean that gets into a totally different thing about how you guide people around a city Oh God! you know because yeah. we've all been that kid in the back seat while your parents are driving their friends in from the airport over here is such and such and you're like shut off why are you telling them so much information whereas their friends are probably like oh wow it's really interesting (laughs) so maybe that's a totally different conversation and uh, maybe we won't solve anything but these are just the things i'm asking myself as i walk around the city with the italians thinking i'm a local and the tourists thinking i'm a local and judging the study abroad students i'm doing the same thing i'm judging the study abroad students just like you did i know it's a trap slippery slope i don't want to be a jerk (laughs) you're not a jerk i think just the act of not wanting to be a jerk is like a step in the right direction it's like it's like the sorting hat in harry potter what's the sorting hat i never read harry potter god how can you not okay don't tell me how it ends i couldn't possibly (laughs) (laughs) the sorting hat is this thing that as soon as the, the first year students get to school it's like a witch's hat but it talks and it tells them which of the four houses they go in Okay. Have you seen? I, I do know. I've I've read the first book, and I've seen the first three movies. Well, then you should know what the Sorting Hat. Well, is. I don't remember. You should pay attention. It's Harry Potter. It's important. All right, well, some other people, probably nobody out there, has not read Harry Potter. But please finish. The point is, Harry does not want to be in Slytherin because Slytherins were all the like evil witches and wizards. End up in his mind, he thinks that it's kind of true. I'm a Slytherin, by the way. I mean, with a name like Slytherin, how could they not be slippery and evil? Yes, but I'm a Slytherin, so don't judge me, please. How do we know? Did you meet the Sorting Hat? It's called Pottermore, Katie. Just whatever. It doesn't matter. Oh, my God. It's, there's a whole world out there that you don't know about. 
when I first got Slytherin, I was like, okay, I'm not a Slytherin. I'm going to retake this test. And I came up with like a new handle and it was Slytherin again. So I'm like, I guess I'm a Slytherin. What am I going to do? Anyway, Harry wants to be a Gryffindor and the Gryffindors are the bravest and the most loyal and they have the best hearts. And he's sitting there and he's like, I want to be a Gryffindor. I don't want to be a Slytherin. Don't want to be in Slytherin. And it turns out at the end, he gets put in Gryffindor, that it's also your intention that matters. So it's not just the hat is all knowing and it knows your heart and it knows where to put you. If you want to be loyal and brave and good, then that is a step towards being loyal and brave and good. So I feel like if you don't want to be pretentious, you're already, just the fact that you're aware that you're falling into the trap of being pretentious and you don't want to go there and you want to be nice and good person and not a jerk, you're already there. You're at least partway there. I love this theory, except when it comes back to those two women at the table, were they wanting to be pretentious? I doubt they were trying to avoid it. Or was I just judging them because I'm pretentious? (laughs) Oh God. Um, that's a good this point. is like the snake eating its own tail really yeah yeah maybe you were i don't know but you but i feel like you caught yourself yeah maybe you're more self-aware they weren't self-aware at all you're so much better than them Those people <laughs> they're temporary just like me i'm only here for a couple of weeks <laughs> well you know probably the romans look at me and they're like that foreigner even though i'm italian now that foreigner she thinks she knows this city she writes a blog about rome she gives tours she doesn't know this city. I've, I was born here. I've lived my whole life here. Mm-hmm. I think everybody wants to feel like they know more than the next person about whatever they feel possession toward, whether it's a city or a profession. They want to feel like they're the one who has that deeper knowledge. Well, should we leave it there? Yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know where to leave it. All right, so... With pretension in mind, please do follow us on Twitter. (laughs) Give us lots of likes on Instagram. Yeah, we'd love to. Oh, and you know, write us a review for God's sake. That would be really helpful. Yes. It's very easy to write a review on iTunes. So um, to figure it out, (laughs) if you don't know already, (laughs) figure it out. Write an article about us. Interview us for your show, whatever it is. We're here. We're here for you. It's not about pretension. It's about spreading the word. Yes, so more people will think we're amazing. (laughs) No, that's so not true. (laughs) Okay, so before we go too far down this rabbit hole, feel free to also send us a letter, bittersweetlife at mail.com. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Thanks to Stackery for supporting this program. Stackery is the global leader in international parcel forwarding from the United States. With Stackery, even though you live abroad, you can shop at your favorite U.S. retailers at prices up to 80% less than directly from the store. Stackery also provides free storage, same-day consolidation of your package, and a tax-free U.S. mailing address. As a Bittersweet Life listener, you can save 10% off your first shipment. Just visit stackery.com and use the coupon code MANJA. That's M-A-N-G-I-A. Thanks also to the listeners who've donated to keep this show going. We can't do it without you. If you haven't yet, visit thebittersweetlife.net and click the donate button. Any amount donated will be rewarded with a handwritten thank you note and our huge thanks.
So this is an epilogue to it episode because as so often happens those of you who work in radio or do interviews for a living you know that as soon as you put your notebook away or you turn your microphone off somebody's gonna say something that is exactly what they should have said in the interview and tiffany what did you say right after i shut off the microphone i said i'm totally pretentious <laughs> hello leaving me out on the branch well i yeah i guess i should have admitted it I don't how so I don't think of you as pretentious. First of all, I don't think you're pretentious. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. It's fun to pretend I am. It is. Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I think I fall into that trap. I do. Maybe we need to define how you consider yourself pretentious. I mean, I do fight against it. So a sorting hat thing, you know. So I'm aware that this is one of my things. But I mean, I remember someone once saying back in the day when I was on Facebook, when Facebook was fun and people would pose interesting questions and it wasn't all like politics and pictures of food. And someone was like, of all the seven deadly sins, which is the one that is the hardest for you, like that you fall into the most? And I thought about it. I think it's pride, but not like the good kind of pride where you're like, I'm so proud of my work. Kind of like quiet inner pride. The kind of superbia is the word in Italian, more the negative sort of pride of like the, the, the feeling superior. I don't necessarily think I am superior, but I fall into the trap of maybe wanting to appear superior. I'm totally opening up like my diary right now because I think that this is a negative thing. I'm not proud of it, but you know, trying to be self-aware yeah. and am I being prideful by saying that I'm trying to be self-aware? Is that me trying to sound superior? No, no. <laughs> No, I think of anything that's like showing that you're not superior. Sweet. It's like, <laughs> it's like your hammock just came down a few branches. My hammock? I don't know. <laughs> I wish I could come up with a good catchphrase. It's late. Yeah. If we were in sleeping hammocks and you'd be like a few uh, stories in the canopy above me. Yeah. My something got, what is it? There is an expression. I don't I even know. I don't know where that came from. A notch. I, I got taken down a notch. Taken down a notch. Yeah. I was... Yeah. So, I mean, that is something that I have to, to work on and not try to be 100% authentic and myself and not care too much about how I appear. I love that. Okay. Since we're, I'm making no sense of the hammock stuff, I went and grabbed a book, which is called The French Lieutenant's Woman. The reason I'm reading this book, it has no cover. It's completely ripped apart. The reason I'm reading this book is because I always go to the secondhand English language bookstore when I get to Rome. The Open Door Bookshop. The Open Door Bookshop. On Via della Lungaretta. Just a little yeah. plug for them. And I like to just see what I happen into. And this book was the only one that sounded reasonably good that was in their free pile. <laughs> because it has no cover and it looks it like, no it looks like it's, it's... rat eaten. Yeah, it's garbage. And it's was written in the 60s, but it's set in about 100 years earlier in the 1860s. So it's extremely cumbersomely written. And it's taking a look at what the Victorians and how ridiculous they were. So anyway, I just wanted this to read this as a fine example of somebody taking somebody down a notch. This is in the very opening of the book. There's a young couple walking along a street. They see another person who's looking out to sea, and they realize it's this woman, the French lieutenant's woman. And they're making fun of her as they approach and talking, oh, I hear she's mad. Oh, I hear this. I hear that. And so the guy in the couple is kind of interested in encountering her to see what she's actually like. And the girl in the couple is almost afraid to encounter her because, you know, she's just like, oh, she's crazy. Just you stay away from her. So he makes this show of trying to help this woman out to just have a way of interacting out there, you know, and it's windy out. And he says, he says, my good woman, 
we can't see you out here without being alarmed for your safety. And he's in the mid-sentence of this like false charm. And then this is what he writes. And I've edited this for time. She turned to look at him, or as it seemed to Charles, through him. Charles felt immediately as if he had trespassed. Again and again afterwards, Charles thought of that look as a lance. And to think so is, of course, not merely to describe an object, but the effect that it has. He felt himself in that brief instant an unjust enemy, both pierced and deservedly diminished. Ooh, just a glance. I mean, it, there's a lot of exposition in there that I cut, but yeah, she just looks at him like super coldly and just looks straight through him. I love it. I love it too. Hopefully that never has to happen to you. <laughs> Hopefully not. But next time, you know, you hear some foreign students acting like they know it all. Just give them a French lieutenant's woman look. <laughs> I, I don't know. I love that. No, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I used to employ that in high school. I haven't used that in years. All right. We should leave it there. We should. And so do we sign out the same way again? Or we just say... Bye. Bye. Life from Rome. Goodbye. Thanks for being with us. If you're taking a trip to Rome sometime soon, don't forget that Tiffany is an excellent tour guide. You can find out more information and even book her on a tour. Just visit tiffany-parks.com. That's tiffany-parks.com. And if you have any trouble finding it, just send us an email at bittersweetlife at mail.com. And we'll get you connected. 